Hello, and welcome to Case-Based Podcasts for Clinical Practice, Series 1, Episode 1. In this podcast, you'll hear Emily, a Foundation Year 1 trainee, discussing a patient she has assessed with the medical registrar, Jack. Please pause the podcast at any stage to consider your own thoughts about the case. Hi there, I'm Emily, one of the F1s. Are you the medical registrar on today? Yes, I'm Jack. Nice to meet you. How are you getting on? Good, thank you. I wondered if I could chat to you about a patient I've just seen. Sure. I've just spoken to Dorothy, an 85-year-old lady, and she's had a fall whilst out shopping. She can't recall much of the event, but a passerby found her on the pavement and rang an ambulance. The passerby believes she may have lost consciousness for a few seconds before the ambulance arrived. I've managed to get hold of her son, who is on his way, and access her previous discharge summaries and clinic letters for further medical details. Can Dorothy remember anything about the fall? She can't remember feeling unwell before falling. She says she didn't experience any chest pain, palpitations, dizziness or visual changes. She says one minute she was walking to the bus stop and the next minute she was on the floor. She came around fairly quickly in the ambulance and doesn't recall any tongue biting or incontinence. She didn't hear her head and doesn't appear to have sustained any injuries with the fall. She has no weakness in her arms or legs and no changes to her vision or speech. She says she feels fine now and is very keen to get home to her cat. Hmm. Does she have much in the way of past medical history? She has a history of hypertension, diabetes and anxiety disorder. She has no allergies she is aware of, and according to her most recent GP prescription, she takes propranolol, doxazazine, glitlozide, and venlafaxine. She has a blister pack and says she is very conscientious when it comes to taking her tablets. And social history? She is a retired teacher and doesn't drive anymore. She has never smoked and drinks sherry only on Christmas Day. Is she usually independent? She lives on her own with no carers. She mobilises without any walking aids and gets out of the house once a week with the local community bus service to do her shopping. Her husband died three years ago and she has three children and seven grandchildren. What about her cognition and frailty status? She hasn't been diagnosed with dementia and scored seven out of ten on the abbreviated mental test score. I reckon she scores a three on the Rockwood frailty assessment, considering her mobility and comorbidities. Okay, so I'm having a think of what could have contributed to her fall. Has she had any other symptoms of note in the preceding days? Symptoms review is normal, aside from some burning on urination over the last two days. She has no increased frequency or nocturia, but has had urine infections in the past, successfully treated with antibiotics from her GP. Okay. Did you examine her? Yes. On examination, she is comfortable sitting up in bed. Her respiratory rate is 15. She's saturating 96% on air and her chest is clear. Her heart rate is 55 beats per minute. Blood pressure is 190 over 100 when lying and 130 over 95 on standing. The calorie refill time is less than two seconds. Heart sounds one and two are normal, but I can hear a systolic murmur in the aortic region, which doesn't seem to radiate to her carotids. Her abdomen is soft and non-tender. Bowel sounds are present and normal. She's afebrile, GCS of 15 out of 15, and neurological examination is grossly intact. She denies hitting her head during the fall, and she has no obvious musculoskeletal injury on examination, with no hip or trochanteric tenderness on palpation. So Emily, what do you think is going on? It sounds like she's had an episode of syncope, which could be due to her postural hypotension, found on examination, perhaps secondary to her medications. However, I would want to exclude a cardiac cause. She is bradycardic, and with a history of sudden-onset fainting with a rapid recovery, this could be a cardiac syncope. I would also consider a neurological cause, such as a stroke. However, I think this is unlikely, given she has no focal neurology on examination. Initially, I'll get an ECG and a urine dip. Sorry, let me just get this. Hi there, it's Emily, the F1. I was bleeped. Okay, thank you for letting me know. I'll be there in a few minutes. Sorry, Jack. 
Dorothy's son has just arrived and would like to speak to one of the doctors, so I'd better get back to her. Sure. I think you need to find out a bit more before we discuss her case further. Can you get some bedside investigations going, like you said, an ECG and urine dip? As she is diabetic, ensure to get blood glucose measurement and examine her feet. We don't want to miss something simple like hypoglycemia, and peripheral neuropathy could be a contributory factor to her fall. A collateral history from the sun would be really helpful, and just check she doesn't have any vision or hearing difficulties. Good work, Emily. Hello and welcome to Case-Based Podcast for Clinical Practice, Series 1, Episode 2. In this podcast, you will hear Emily updating Jack on Dorothy's progress and their thoughts on her diagnosis. Please pause the podcast at any stage to consider your own thoughts about the case. Hi Jack, sorry to disturb you. I've just seen Dorothy and her son. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with her. Don't worry, let's talk it through. Do you want a chalky? One of the patient's relatives up on the ward gave them to us. Oh, thank you. So, I've spoken to her son, and he says she's actually had quite a few blackouts in the last six months while he's been with her. They sound like similar episodes to the one today. He thinks they are getting more frequent, and she has had several in the last week. He says they seem to occur at any time, even at rest, and are not necessarily related to posture or exertion. Dorothy herself isn't worried about these funny spells, and won't give much more detail. She says it's just because of her age. Hmm. These do sound like syncopal episodes, as you say. Did her son have much more in the way of a collateral history? He is concerned about her memory, which he thinks has gradually declined over the last year. Things like forgetting appointment days and times, when she used to be very on the ball with things like that. She doesn't have any visual or hearing problems, though. How about examination of her feet? And did we get any bedside investigations done? Yes, her feet look healthy, sensation is intact, and her blood glucose is fine. Her urine dip, however, is positive for leukocytes and nitrites. Okay, given she is symptomatic with a positive urine dip, we could treat her empirically. But let's wait for some blood results, and if her inflammatory markers are raised, we should consider starting antibiotics. Let's have a look at her ECG. It is regular in sinus rhythm, however she is bradycardic at a rate of 50 beats per minute. The PR interval and QT interval are not prolonged, and there are no acute ischemic changes. Let's have a look. Yes, I agree. Okay, so what are your differential diagnoses now? Well, in terms of the syncope, I think this could be due to postural hypotension, considering her medications. However, we haven't excluded cardiac syncope, due to perhaps an underlying arrhythmia or valvular dysfunction, especially considering the systolic murmur on examination. Good, Emily. Yes. However, falls in the elderly are most often multifactorial. There are many risk factors that can contribute. Visual impairment, cognitive impairment, polypharmacy, impaired balance and slower reaction time. Then there are the disease-associated risk factors. Neurological, for example, stroke, Parkinson's disease, peripheral or autonomic neuropathy, and cardiac. Heart failure, arrhythmias, and postural hypertension. In short, you have to explore every avenue. And falls overlap with syncope, the two can be very hard to distinguish. How would you describe syncope, Emily? The transient loss of consciousness, self-limiting, rapid onset and spontaneous recovery caused by transient global cerebral hypoperfusion. Syncope can be vasovagal, situational, postural or cardiac. Cardiac syncope is often sudden in onset with no prodromal symptoms. 
And postural hypotension? You mentioned this could be secondary to her medications. Remind me, what does she take? Postural hypotension is defined as a fall in systolic blood pressure of at least 20 millimetres of mercury, or diastolic blood pressure of at least 10, when a person assumes a standing position. It could be due to dehydration or medications. She's on propranolol, a beta blocker, doxazosin, an alpha blocker, glyclozide, a hypoglycemic agent, and venlafaxine, a serotonin noradrenaline reuptake inhibitor. Correct. All of which could have contributed to her fall. So, for Dorothy, initially let's hold her doxazosin, as this will be contributing to her postural drop, and the propranolol given her heart rate. We will need to monitor her blood pressure and heart rate over the next few days. Let's get some blood tests sent off. A full geriatric blood screen would be appropriate. Make sure to include a full blood count in CRP, as we need to know whether she is anemic, which could be causing her to be lightheaded and contribute to her falls. Her inflammatory markers may also be raised in light of her urine dip. Urea and electrolytes for dehydration and end organ damage as she is diabetic. Um, also, any electrolyte abnormality could be the cause of an arrhythmia. We should also request thyroid function, as abnormalities to TFTs can contribute to arrhythmias, as well as bone profile and vitamin D, as elderly patients are often deficient and undiagnosed, which can contribute to falls and fracture risk. An HbA1c would be useful to get a more accurate measure of her glycemic control. And if she's anemic, should we investigate further with iron studies, vitamin B12 and folate? Yes, that would be appropriate. Like you say, Emily, piecing the history and examination together, the syncopal episodes could very well be cardiac in nature. Considering her history of multiple syncopal episodes and the murmur on examination, I think we need to admit her for 24 hours and put her on a cardiac monitor to check for any pauses, profound bradycardia or conduction abnormalities. She could have sinus node disease or atrioventricular block causing these episodes not seen on the initial ECG. She will also need a 24-hour tape and an echo but we don't necessarily need to keep her in here as an inpatient for these. Let's see how she gets on in the next 24 hours. Whilst there is no history of any head injury, I think she should have a CT head, given the cognitive impairment the son has described, but put the request as non-urgent. Are you happy to sort out those investigations, Emily? Yes, of course. Great. And also, are you able to speak to her son and explain the plan? And I'll pop down soon after finishing this referral. Sure. Thanks, Jack. See you in a bit. Hello and welcome to Case-Based Podcast for Clinical Practice, Series 1, Episode 3. In this podcast, you will hear Emily updating Jack further on Dorothy's progress and the results of her investigation. Please pause the podcast at any stage to consider your own thoughts about the case. Hi Jack, can I catch up with you about Dorothy from yesterday? She's now in bed three on the acute medical unit. Of course. How's she getting on? She looks well and is very keen to go home. In terms of her bloods, her CRP and white cells were raised slightly in keeping her with her urinary symptoms and positive urine depths suggested with the UGI. I started her on some antibiotics before I went home last night. I prescribed nitrofurantoin as per the microguide for three days, as her renal function is normal. Her urine MCNS came back this morning, positive for E. coli. Good. That supports your choice of antibiotics. I'm glad you got on top of that. Her vitamin D is also low. Should we start her on some supplements? 
Yes, cholecalciferol will be fine. Depending on her level, there is a loading dose given for the first five days before a maintenance dose. Can you just check with the pharmacist the exact regimen before prescribing? Yes, I'll find that out. And all her other blood results were within normal range. Oh, good. She has been on the cardiac monitor overnight, with no abnormal rhythms or pauses. Her blood pressure has remained stable, but her heart rate is still fairly low at 60 beats per minute. She hasn't experienced any syncopal episodes whilst she's been here either. Okay, we need to recheck her lying and standing blood pressure since we have held the doxazidine to see if there's any improvement. Given she is hemodynamically stable and overnight there was nothing significant on cardiac monitoring, I'm happy for her to go home and have an outpatient 24-hour tape and an echo. The syncopal episodes, like we said, could have been caused by a bradyarrhythmia, such as sinus node disease or atrioventricular block, or she could have a valvular problem. You said you could hear a murmur? Yes, an ejection systolic in the aortic area, but I couldn't hear any radiation to the carotids. Making it unlikely to be aortic stenosis. However, the echo will help us determine this and assess her left ventricular function. She could have aortic sclerosis, a common phenomenon in the elderly, um, where there is thickening or calcification of one of the leaflets of the aortic valve, which produces the murmur, but does not cause a ventricular outflow obstruction and is often asymptomatic, unlikely to explain her syncopal episodes. Hmm, interesting. And the 24-hour tape may reveal significant pauses or an atrioventricular block. Remind me of the different types of heart block. In heart block, there is a problem with the electrical signal between the atria and the ventricles. In first-degree heart block, the PR interval is lengthened, but it doesn't often cause any symptoms or require treatment. In second-degree heart block, there are two types. Mobitz type 1, where the PR interval progressively lengthens before dropping a QRS complex. Whereas Mobitz type 2, the PR interval is regular, but the QRS complex is dropped periodically, often in a particular pattern. In third-degree heart block, there is no relationship between the P waves and QRS complexes. Mobitz type 2 and third-degree heart block are indications for a pacemaker. Yeah, very well remembered. Are you happy to organise those investigations, Emily? She will also need a routine cardiology outpatient appointment following those. If the 24-hour tape doesn't identify an arrhythmia, they may consider a seven-day recording as she'll need management if an atrioventricular block is found. Make sure you follow up those investigations so we can find out the results. I will, Jack. Dorothy also managed to have her CD head this morning. I've chased the report which states extensive small vessel ischemic changes in the cerebral white matter, which could explain the decline in her memory. Indeed it does. But the decline in memory characteristically occurs in a stepwise progression in vascular disease. Could you make sure you do a mini mental state examination before she leaves? She will need to be seen by the memory clinic on discharge. It would be ideal for occupational therapy to come see her too and assess whether there needs to be any environmental adjustments made to help her at home. Yes, Jack. I'll try and arrange those and make sure those investigations are requested as an outpatient and start her TTO. Yes, please. Make sure to include her GP to check her heart rate and blood pressure after a week, given we have stopped her medications. And can they also check her vitamin D and calcium levels in three months? Please could you ensure Dorothy and her son are up to date with the plan and understand the outpatient investigations. Make sure you safety net too. Dorothy needs to seek medical attention if she has any further similar symptoms. Could you also find a falls prevention leaflet for Dorothy? I think the ward clerk will know where they are. Will do. Thank you, Emily. Good work. Send the case to me as a CBD and I'll sign you off. Some good learning points here. See you later. Thank you. Bye, Jack.